This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with Cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 200 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me. How are you mate? It's great because normally all the technical difficulties, nobody hears. So we do this every single week, every time we record, then we struggle. So uh, yeah, I'm good. We've got a good one tonight. We've got some really special guests in the room. Um, I'm not talking about this table over here just yet. We've got the Rays over there. Let's hear it for the Rays. Come on, Rays. Always thirsty. But, uh, we've got my family on the front row down there, so I'm on the I'm on the best behaviour. We've got Bob's best photographer in the land. We've got literally, I mean, this is Lincoln City royalty, Lincoln City royalty. But talking about Lincoln City royalty, we've got this table over here, and we've got two wonderful guests to kick you off tonight. Indeed. Well, are we, I didn't know if we were doing. No, like, uh, we're not doing bands. We haven't got any time for it. Um, so let's just bring our yes. special guest straight on. We're going straight in on the headline act. It's the you know, the opposite to a festival to a band. They're the main men, Mark Kennedy and Danny Butterfield. I, uh, I expect a blog from you guys about how bad we've been now. I think that that's probably going to be um, a nice balance. How are you doing, gents? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, you know, we've got a few questions. Hopefully you'll be kind enough to answer them. Um, I'm trying to be as non-flustered as I can, given the technical incidents that we've had but uh, yeah if we uh, if we kick it off I think Gaz you want to yeah let's kick off with some questions because I think Ben needs a little bit of fresh air you get a drink here I need a drink Uh, Mark first of all how much was it uh, how much of a relief was it to get the win on Saturday knowing that we were coming on here (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody's laughed yeah we did joke about it, but stuff like that doesn't particularly bother me, to be honest. Um, 
how I look at things and how I view things and how I see things. I keep talking about being balanced and rational, so um, it just doesn't bother me. But it helps when you put it for sure. So, yeah, we needed no. it. Oh, it's amazing. We needed it. Yes, but no. Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't just the nature of the, it wasn't just the actual result, was it? it was the nature of the performance as well, kind of vindicated some of the building blocks that you've had in place that perhaps we don't always see or we don't always appreciate and just kind of going over the edge and, and kind of getting the, the, the final bits in place for the game. I think football's a very emotional sport. It's very difficult. I think because of being a fan, being a player and now a coach, I, I just don't get emotionally attached to the result. Um, I, I said many times, like, I felt one of our worst performances this year was as a head coach, I was particularly peed off with, with Bristol away. And we've had games where we've not come away with success. So the run we went on, uh, I think we drew at Charlton. We lost to Bolton away, we drew at Charlton. I think we beat Ipswich, drew at Sheffield Wednesday. And I think we beat Barnsley. We, we had a brilliant week building into the Bolton game. And then we lost to Bolton. And I remember specifically speaking to the group after the game and talking about the week we've had and the performance that we've had. And although we lost 2-0, we talked about the positives and sticking to the process, recognising what we're working on, how we're going about it and how we're doing it. And we just talked about how positive we were, even though we'd lost 2-0, about what was ahead because of what we'd been doing. So I remember quite some time ago, Danny saying to me, uh, I'm talking years ago, that when you go on a bad run, it's not the three games you've perhaps lost, it's normally the three wins you've had before where you can see it coming and vice versa. So... Um, we we tend to judge things over a period of time rather than reacting to a performance. Um, but I understand as a fan how much it, I'm a I'm, I'm a football fan myself. I understand how much it means to you uh, supporting your team. You know the, the the expense it takes to come and watch a game, paying eight quid for a point at Lincoln and stuff like that. So. <laughs> I understand what it feels like to be a fan and how much it means and how much it can affect your week and stuff like that. And I get it and I understand that. I think being a coach and being a player, it becomes more of a job in a good way and you tend to have a balanced outlook on it. Um, but I get the highs, I get the lows. I just try and stay somewhere in the middle, if very, I can. Very good. But Danny clearly enjoyed the win from the answer. You were... I'm just we're checking this in my heartbreak monitor we can hear it. Panicking there, I'm thinking things are going wrong. <laughs> we'll look over at the tech guy. I'll carry on regardless. I'm gonna do the questions that say Ben. So Mark, um, how are you basically finding the city after six months? So, yeah, we'll, we'll come back onto the football in a minute because everyone asks you about that. But kind of how have you settled in the area? How do you find Lincoln? A really, really lovely place, really warm place. Um, the people of Lincoln have been really, really kind to me. Um, really respectful and, and I mean that I say that really carefully because we're just normal average people but people don't try and constantly try and in, invade your privacy or your space um, sometimes we forget when we're walking around the city or Danny and I tend to eat out quite a lot that you forget what you're doing and it's only when you're somewhere and as somebody's passing by they'll wish you well on a Saturday and you think oh, you know what a, what a lovely gesture as opposed to sometimes having been an ex-footballer I think sometimes people feel like they own you and they're the right to come. And, and, and I, I embrace any kind of conversation with fans because the one thing the club are very proud of is connecting with each other and linking players to staff to fans, that board members, etc. That just being a real unified 
entity, if you like. So that that's something we're 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 really proud of and something that we're conscious of. But um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I've not really had a chance to get my family here, which I'd like to do a lot more, and I know they're very keen to do that. So that's something I miss sharing with them. And hopefully over the course of time we can change that. But it, it's it's been a really really warm welcome, and I say from myself and all the staff that you know we're very grateful to the reception we've had since we've been here and I think Pordy will probably evidence that with him being a being a player here uh, of what they go through but it's a it's a fantastic part of the world I think before uh, and that is my heart rate (laughs) (laughs) before Danny flatlines I mean obviously Danny over to you you're kind of born in Boston schooled in Boston played for Grimsby was it a relief to finally get to the best place in Lincolnshire Cheap, cheap, cheap applause, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, um, is there any other kind? <laughs> Listen, what you're saying is fact. Lincoln is the best club in Lincolnshire. <laughs> but what I would say when I was playing for Grimsby, Grimsby was the best team in Lincolnshire. <laughs> so I think it's all down to me. No, um, no it's, no, it's, it's uh, I thoroughly enjoyed being here. And um, um, yeah, I'm excited to be at the football club, being a Lincolnshire lad to... To work for a club within your county, it's uh, it's not something I've done since I left Grimsby at 22, and I'm I'm pretty uh, pleased and proud to be it. Wonderful. And we were talking beforehand. We think that perhaps I played against you at school level. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure you owned me. You must have done, but obviously, um, yeah, a little bit of history there. But you don't remember it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the little ginger kid on the side in the tracksuit. Um, Mark, a lot of the time in your interviews you talk about it being a learning curve, you talk about having made mistakes, having learned lessons and that sort of thing. Just interested to try and drive into that a little bit and just sort of, are there any specifics that you'd care to go into at all? Uh, Yeah. Um, I think how I perceived what our, not so much our style of play, my my vision of what football looked like in in League One and how I wanted to play the game what I felt I could do and the reality of what you can do are two different things and a, a really close friend of mine is, is quite a high-end guy in football and he, 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 after my first game of the season he rang me and said you, you're going to get sacked and <laughs> like, thanks for the confidence but, but, it, but it was and I, I understood what he said because he was basically saying if you, if you want to continue to play 4-3-3 and be really aggressive and attack and play in the front foot you know, you're going to lose a lot of games of football and you're going to get massively exposed. And it, I remember him saying it to me and thinking, that's really harsh and really hard, but being really respectful that he was telling me as somebody really cares. And, I, and I, I, I pursued it and I went along. And after the Cambridge game, I thought, I am going to get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the reality of what football looked like and what I thought I could do or what we're capable of doing. Uh, and I suppose the best example I want to give you, uh, ladies and gents, is if you... If, when I interviewed for the job, I remember speaking to the board about it and saying, if you looked at the top half of the league last year, everybody was playing a back five. and the bottom half of the league, everybody was playing a back four. And the reality of League One is that it lacks athleticism, it lacks pace. You don't have Lewis Monsmans or one-offs. And I think when I look at the best teams in the league or the league that are up the top end, if you look at uh, Ipswich, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton, Plymouth, Barnsley... They all play a back five, so that that idea of wanting to play a certain way and the reality of it was was quite, I wouldn't say tough to take, but it was a reality check of having to change and adapt and, 
I'm quite proud we've done that. But I would like to say that you know we we, we want their brand of football to be a lot more attacking, a lot more aggressive, um, and a lot more free flowing. So it's not something that um, we we have been a mid block counter pressing counter attacking team. I think we're really really good at that. But I'd like to get as, I'd like to get as close to what we, we were trying to do at the start of the season sooner rather than later. Smashing. Now we will come on to pressing because Chris has put a great precedent pathways question in, um, but we'll come on to that. It's a little bit more in depth. I'm also in, just to let you catch your breath. Interested in the window. I know it wasn't your first window at the club, but it was kind of your first window with experience of the club before you've come in as well. How did you find it? Kind of both of you player recruitment. Was it as you expected, or was it more challenging? It's, it's always tough. The January window is always tough because, which we found this January, everyone in our league is fighting for the same players. And obviously everyone's got different um, agendas. Some are trying to push for the top six, some are fighting for their lives, and everyone literally fighting for the same number nine. So January is incredibly tough. And I think, um, speaking on behalf of the manager, is... Um, we were excited with the work we've done. The, the club supported us um, with spending money on Ethan. For those that were at, weren't at Atkinson at the weekend, it was certainly a, a very positive performance for, for a young man that's been in the building three or four days, and I'm sure he's got a bright future. And we, as coaching staff, um, are incredibly excited to, to be working with Ethan. So I think um, that answers your question. January is incredibly tough because um, there's not that many players available for obvious reasons and everyone's fighting for the same players. And Mark, I have to, did you have your transfer meeting literally after every single Radio Lincolnshire interview? Because yeah. <laughs> it was every single Radio Lincolnshire interview. I'm just going into a transfer meeting and I got a message from one miserable bastard who sat in the front row and I won't point him out on the Goxbury who messaged me and said to me, just for once, can Mark go into his transfer meeting before Radio Lincolnshire interview? <laughs> Um, so we're meeting to her every Monday, every Tuesday. So and we do our media post uh, pre-game on a on a Tuesday. So that was unfortunate, but just to to help you perhaps understand a, a little bit into the world of it, um, I think we have had a really really positive transfer window, and I think the recruitment team, you know, deserve a huge amount of credit. Um, Harry Boys is a really good player who I know well, and I think we've upgraded in that position. Ethan, I think, will play an incredible amount of games for us going forward and I think he'll, he'll really catch your attention Luke Plange is a high-end player that Palace played paid seven figures for and was like really well sought after but the difficulty that you know people don't know and I didn't realise it myself just to give you some context of what it's like like we we spent hours and hours and the recruitment team spent months and months going after players and we didn't actually get any of our proactive targets if I'm being honest but how we reacted and how they reacted so quickly when Luke became available, uh, when Ethan became available, when Mide became available, it was absolutely phenomenal. They deserve a huge amount of credit for that. But you just have these hours and hours and hours of meeting, constantly going over the same players. That we'd six or seven strikers we spent hours and hours on, and none of them came out. And it's just trying to give you some context and explain what, it, what it's like. It's a really, really difficult window. And everybody's after the same. We, you know, Sheffield Wednesday were after the strikers we were after. Um, in in we, you know, we, we came very close to getting somebody in in the previous window in August, and he, and he and he goes to Derby. Like you're up against some really really big clubs. So, I think the club can be very proud of the recruitment processes they have and the, and how they go about it. 
and they are absolutely relentless when it comes to getting a player. And and when most of the time we get a player, it tends to be off the back of a, the presentation the club presented the club and, and what we can do for them. So, um, and obviously you don't see that on the outside, you know. It's uh, it's very just, impressive. If I just quickly pick up on that, you say that you know the, the players weren't coming out from you know for the, as a target. Is that that they weren't? being released by the club or they were involved in a chain higher up that was, you know, it may have fallen apart for them and we, ultimately we, they weren't available for us. Uh, it, it's, it's got everything. We've had, we've had a player where the, the club and the agent were desperate for him to come to us but he chose to go to what he felt was a bigger club in, that was previous and a lovely, lovely kid and didn't play any football. Uh, we had another player we tracked for such a long time but just before the window closed somebody in his position got injured in his club so he wouldn't let him out <coughs> sometimes the player wants to come the agent doesn't want to come uh, all kinds of things um, and a multitude of various reasons um, and it's a notoriously poor window as well you know everybody I spoke to in League One and I'm, I'm new to saying like you know put your seatbelt on this is like it's a pretty bad one you know and they were, they were spot on unfortunately it's a tough window fair enough um, but so how do you tend to navigate difficult times like you know the, the recent run that we've had I mean I know a lot of people try and see the positive side in things but you know we're football fans we will try and see the negative side um, obviously defensive side has been pretty solid um, and you know you said yourself recently that the other end needed some work um, how confident are you that with the new bodies that we've got through the door, we'll be able to improve on all that? I think, I think that will, it, it will definitely help. I, you, be careful what I say here. You can't turn water into wine, and I don't mean that in terms of we haven't got good, good players. We've got very, very good players. Um, I'm sure people won't mind me sharing this. I, I went through eight of our players recently. I've played a lot of games for us this year. And they've got a combined total of 400 appearances. And if they play every game together, 90 minutes in those 400 games, they'll score once every 65 goals, uh, games. So what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter who you are, that's very difficult to change into a, a goal-scoring machine. I think the first thing you need to be successful is a foundation, a base, a structure and a discipline. And I think we've worked really hard to put that in. I think we've got that. And now I think with the little improvements as we go along, and, and change a couple of positions and, and if you want to use the word upgrade as we go along um, I think that's where we can really start to see the change I, I don't walk away from Accrington and think that's it we've cracked it we've had 11 shots on target it could have been 6 and it could have been 6 I, I don't get caught up with that um, every game's different every game is tough um, I was chatting to Gary about it tonight I don't think we've had a home game this year where we haven't deserved at least a point but yet we match Sheffield Wednesday, we match Bolton, we match Ipswich, we match Plymouth and there will be undoubted disappointment when we, we draw perhaps Charlton was a glum game and Cambridge was a really dour, horrible, painful game to watch. It was as painful for me as it was for you. So, um, so every game's different um, but I do hope with the players we've got that have come in uh, will we'll make a difference and Lewis Monson is a massive massive plus we, we really feel like we've signed a new player even though I know you guys have seen a lot more of him than me so I hope that Saturday will be the start of evidence and what we feel we can do going forward 
Smashing, thank you. And, and just to mention, we have another cracking centre half in Paddy O'Connor as well. I, was <laughs> I can tell it's Pordy. Pordy, sorry, sorry, Pordy. I'm just going to get that in there right now, though. So um, we're talking as well off the field. Obviously, you've strengthened off the field with Danny coming in, but I just wanted to talk about Ross Berber, who's recently left the club as well. Um, so, how much of a blow is that? And in his short time, has there been kind of positives to take away and a legacy put in place? Or? Uh, legacy, I don't think anybody can create a legacy in in six months so no um, in terms of the impact he had he was um, it, it was brilliant he was a great great guy uh, really well thought of within the camp um, how he went about things were, were different and fascinating to see and um, I mean we were chatting about it with Paulie there so for example most clubs pre-season on the hardest week would do 40 to 50k and most of them would do 40 I think we were doing 70 in our first week um, the lads would do a 7k run party at half 6 in the morning yeah. and that was before training um, Cordy's delighted he's gone <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Ross, Ross was very very good he brought in a real tough mindset of what the week should look like and how it would be and when we look at our as a head of performance uh, our availability to to be available to train and play this year is over 80, well it's 86% average, which is really, really high. January alone is 90, so um, the work he's done and the, and the foundations that he's put in place have been outstanding and I, I said a, a week ago, so the biggest compliment I can pay Ross is that we've, we haven't, once now he's gone and he's moved on and we wish him well, we haven't ripped up the work he's done, we want to continue it and build on it and uh, he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. Wonderful. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Great stuff. Um, so with on-pitch results ever more scrutinised, how difficult is it for you to balance the short and long-term objectives? Um, and how do you know it's the right time to give a young player the opportunity in the first team? Um, it's a brilliant question because uh, everybody wants... Everybody I, I can't take, sorry, I can't take credit. That was Chris's question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, every, everybody, you need it's your to... your heart rate we can hear then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody needs time to build something and it takes time to build something. Um, I, I, one of the reasons I came to Lincoln because you know, I think it's, a, it's something we talk about a lot on evidence and from the outside of what it looks like. 
Um, but the bottom line is that in football, if you lose lots of games of football, it's very difficult to remain in a job. So um, I remember somebody saying to me when I got the job, the type of football that's played in the league won't stay in the job football. And uh, I certainly don't feel like that pressure is on me in any way, shape or form. Um, so I think over the course of time we'll be able to achieve that. And I think what we've done really, really well this year is that, and the board, I have to say a huge thank you to, we want to play a real style and a brand of football that, that, that's attractive to everybody. But what actually we fell on has been really difficult, really structured, really disciplined, really organised team and tough to beat to give us the foundations to then get back to, to get to where we want to get to. In terms of minutes for young kids and stuff like that, our minutes are true to roof. In terms of academy development players, we're over, two, I think, 2,260 minutes, to be precise. So we're really high on that anyway. And if you, if you look at our minutes in the league of under-23s this year, we're one of the top teams in the league. And ultimately, we've got the youngest squad in the league. So in terms of the latter part of your question, I think we, as a club, not me, as a club, I think we do that very well and something we're very conscious and very proud of. Smashing. I'm just going to come over to Danny. We're going to drop a couple of your questions. I don't want you on the, the end there, uh, flatlining. Um, kind of from your position at Southampton, was, was there a lot of that tra- on the training pitch or is that something that you're kind of now getting back into? And if so, how does it feel to be back out there? Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely more office and on the road uh, based doing the, doing the loans. So um, I'm really excited to be back out on the grass. When Mark spoke to me and, and asked whether I would join him, I was like, well, I'm a little bit nervous as to what that looks like in a, in a weird sort of way. And he just said, stop being stupid. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> just get back on the bike. So, um, and he was right. It, it feels, with having so many games in such a short space of time, it does feel that I've been here a lot longer than I have. But um, that's not negative. That's because I really enjoy coming to work every day apart from with the goalkeeping coach who sat behind me, but don't tell him. Um, <laughs> he said he's a goalkeeping specialist. This is, sorry, I'll rephrase that. The goalkeeping specialist we have at this football club. No, no, no. And I really enjoy it. Back on the grass, it's something I really enjoy and um, the great people at the club to come to, to work, work every day and work with. Thank you. Uh, and just say goalkeepers are a special breed, aren't they? I don't know. Well, I'm not a goalkeeper. Be careful, there's, there's one down there. He I know, can't see you. Can see you. Wouldn't Liam a goalkeeper as well? Oh, Chris was a goalkeeper, he was on Lincoln's books. Um, so we'll move on to another one of Chris's questions, and this is one, there'll be some people in the audience I know who will just completely switch off um, at this, but it's a great question. Um, arguably one of your side's biggest strengths is the ability to press effectively with a high press needing to be coordinated and all the players knowing where the triggers are if and when to engage how do you begin to coach this to a whole squad and does it influence how long it takes new signings to play to their potential (laughs) don't boo don't boo that's not fair somebody booed Um, I I try to simplify my coaching so um, I tend to work in stages, so if I, when I came in pre-season, I just focused on two things for the first basically six weeks. One was pressing and the other was build-up and forgot about, didn't do all the middle bit. Um, but I, I tend to even, so even today, today's slightly different I should say, when I, when I coach I tend to walk in towards the pitch, whereas some coaches will go through the three towards in possession out, I don't walk like that. 
I would prefer to spend a week in one tour. So although you haven't seen this clearly in the last five or six games, we've literally spent three weeks in the final tour of the pitch. Um, took three weeks, but we got there Saturday. Sorry, apologies <laughs> for that. Um, so that's how I tend to work. Um, and your pre-season is so important to give you that um, platform to build, um, to give people those trigger points, when to press, how to press, why to press. When an individual comes in, so Ethan's a good example because he's new in at the minute, or me days he comes in, it's pretty easy to get him to fall into it because you've got 10 other people that have got it locked down and cracked on. But um, And other things is just a little bit of luck. So when we play 3-4-3, how I see 3-4-3 out possession is 5-4-1. But we're not that at all. We're 5-2-3. We're and, you know, that in itself is a little bit of luck. We fell on that. And Ben House's tactical understanding of how to press and trigger points and taking four people out of a of a run is just absolutely fun. I haven't I can't take any credit for that. That's down to Ben. Um he's just a really intelligent boy. And then when you add your Danny's and your Jacks and Midays and people like that, we just give them little bullet points and little trigger points. We have some non negotiables that are important, but um it's pretty straightforward and simple. If I, I'd love to say it's rocket science and it's, it's not, but we do spend a lot of time on it. We certainly did pre-season. Thank you. You're happy, Chris. I'll just say one thing, because me and Mark was having a conversation in the office today. We press to score. We don't press to defend. Yeah. We press the opposition to try and score a goal, not to win the ball back. And those, again, who was at the Accrington game... Um, the front three, House in particular, but the front three I thought were very, very good on the day. And a lot of our attacks came from winning the ball back high and then we just went through. So we pressed the score, not to press to be boring and sit back and just get the ball back. I think that the, when Mido pressed straight from the free air, straight from the kickoff, yeah. that was a perfect example of that, I think. Yeah. Obviously, you know, he didn't quite didn't score directly from it, but drew the foul and exactly. led to it. So, yeah. Um, talking about tactics, so you say that you know, we, you were kind of forced to switch to a three um, earlier in the season. Recently, you've gone with either a four or a three. Are there any long-term ideas and plans as to which one you're going to stick with, or is it a fluid situation? Um, no, if I'm being honest, I've already said about it. I talk about it openly quite a lot. When players, players always dictate what shape you'll play. And when you look at the league and the type of player in the league, is that... I think you need a back five or a back three when you look at the success of teams in the league. Um, I think you need that, but you know we've played four three three quite a lot, and I, and I do really like four three three. I just don't think it's that suited to our league. Um, the irony is like Scott in particular really likes four two three one, and I've got to give him a huge amount of credit for his change and for that. And he's he's Scott's like the good guy that pecks your head in a nice way and will remind, remind, remind them. And it was probably down to himself and Mike more than anybody against Derby that we changed. And the irony is, in the in the four games we've played, four two three one, we've had clean sheets, three, and yet I'm not particularly comfortable with that. So I do think we we are good enough to adapt and be flexible to do it. But if I'm being honest about it, I think the long term, how I see us long term, would would have three centre halves. Now, this. Um Sorry, I'll just say if I switch mics, this one's got a rattle to it. Ooh. Yeah. More technical difficulties. There yeah, we go. This one's got a. That's what it is, it's in the top, so it should be alright now. 
Now, I picked up on something, and it might, it might just be me, and you might shoot me down, but if you do, please do it politely. But I've noticed in... All right. I've noticed in some interviews, I, I think you are a master of the mind game, because I think when there are games where the players perhaps haven't performed well, you take the pressure off them by saying, I'm to blame for this. I think when things go well, you never take the credit. You always tend to say, I can't take any credit for that. And even before the game on Saturday, you talked about how playing three at the back with full backs, but we were playing defenders that were essentially centre-halves at full back. Then you played those defenders who were essentially centre-halves at full back. They were both outstanding. One scored a superb goal and we won 3-0. Is it deliberate? Um, no, it's not. Honestly, it's not mind games. It's just me being honest. I think... Um, I think as a manager, you should always protect your players. Uh, I can honestly say that I've never hammered the players after a game and then gone out and said they were great. I don't walk like that. I think modern-day players don't react to verbal tongue lashings. Uh, I think on the days where I've come into the dressing room, the players have done that between themselves and it's already done. Uh, I'm really big on positive reinforcement. Um, so I, I think we're... I think whenever I talk, I, I just try to be as truthful as I can and as honest as I can. And I just think it's really important to look after your players, show them that you care about them, you think about them. They know when they've not done well coming out publicly. Um, careful what I say here. Like this year, I've read, um, uh, this year I remember reading the manager's comments about his team and thinking, I actually can't believe you've said that. And he got sacked the next day. And, I, and when he got sacked, I was like, I remember thinking, oh, what are you bored thinking about? That's not the sort of thing. That's not how your players respond to you. Um, and in terms of Sean scoring his goal, really, really pleased for him. Uh, we walk hard with, you know, Paul, Paulie will tell you it's probably boring for Paulie, but we spend a lot of time doing patterns of play. All my technicals are tactical. They're not just technicals. They're all about patterns of play and positioning and stuff like that. So... We spend a huge amount of time of that in the final tour. It just doesn't always come out. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a Jedi Knight. I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say I don't believe you. I think. I think you're doing it now. I think you're doing it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced. That I'll, I'll never change my mind. I will to crack through. Yeah. Crack through a couple of questions because we're running over a little bit. So. Um... My fault. Um, so yeah, we're, we're coming to the end, of, more or less, of the, this section. So, can you sum up? what your highs and lows have been so far of your first six months? Um, yes, I can. Um, low was re- <laughs> re- really easy. Um, Borton was a pain, really painful day for me, for all of us connected. Uh, that was a real... Um, and, and without my games, I, I, I felt like as a staff, we let the players down that day. Um, I really felt that. Um, but collectively, it was a real poor, poor day, a real... Been in football for two or three years. I that, that was a that was tough. Uh, Chippenham was tough, really really tough. Um, to lose against a team, so I don't want to say so low because that's disrespectful. But when you're playing against a team that's several tiers below you, you know we don't turn around and say we had X amount of possession of this time. But we got beat, we got knocked out of the cup, so that was a real low. Um, the highs, if I'm being honest, I tend not. I'd like to talk more about the environment we created and the and the unity we've got with each other and the connection we've got um, with the players, the staff, how we work together, what a week looks like in our environment. Transferring that to a connection with the fans is probably what I'm most proud of. But if you asked me, and that's the truth, but if you want to hear a particular game, I suppose the obvious one would, would be 
would be Ipswich away. I, I would hope that all the players felt that. For me personally, having walked at the club and sat in the director's box as an academy coach, I, I, I used to imagine a lot standing on the touchline and watching my peers and mentors doing that. That was a really proud proud moment for me and, and my family were at the game, my kids. So um, that was a really great day and I'm very grateful to the the the... the, the the warmth and positivity we got for the for the fans for for me personally because my, my my kids and my my wife were, were were in the crowd that day so that was something I'll personally never forget. Smashing, thank you. Uh, and finally, I'm actually just uh, going to skip back to another question because you picked on something there that's quite interesting. I think we can bring Danny in a little bit as well. There was a social media video. I think Michael Nelson, Cardiff. Mark Hudson. Mark Hudson. Yeah. Michael Nelson, we nearly signed. I've got a name wrong. Ouch. Bad research. Um, so Mark Hudson, you saw the video where he was you know, really proud telling his kids that he was manager and then kind of having to say, I've been sacked, we're moving on. Kind of for both of you guys, how do you, how do you manage that? Is that something that kind of factors in? Did you see that and kind of it resonate with you at all? I've talked a lot, so yes. <laughs> apologies. So I think... Um, yeah, when, when I decided to join Lincoln, my wife said as I left the door, how long are you going to be? <laughs> no, she didn't. No, we, listen, we, we all know Mark's actually a really good friend of, uh, of ours, an ex-teammate, and, um, but that's the reality of the job. Um, but you can't, you can't be scared of getting the sack because you forever make decisions to protect your job rather than what's right for you and the team and the squad and the staff and the club. And, Etc. Etc. So um, you can't f- fear the sack in this job. You need to you need to be positive and believe in what you're doing. And um, I can only speak for, for us both, I hope. But um, we don't make decisions in fear of people above us getting rid of us. It's, it's for the good of the team and trying to win the, the three points in, in the next game. Smashing. Thank you. And finally, any message for the. 200 here, hopefully a 1,000 listen for the for the next six months of the season. Yeah, just to say uh, two things. Um, the, the, the first thing, with the, which is the second, I'd like to f- I'll finish with the most important. The first thing is that, you know, I, I'd like to think we walk our socks off on what we're trying to do and what we're, we're trying to achieve, and we do get things wrong, and I, I have got things wrong, we have got things wrong. And we will continue to do that. We human beings, that will happen. Um, it comes from 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 the from the right thought process of what we're trying to achieve, and from a good place. Um, and that's ongoing and evolving. And we'll always try to continue to try and maximise and perfect what we're trying to do. But we will get it wrong, 100%. But we'll continue to try and get it right and, and improve as we go along. And I think we're on the right path to do that. And the second one, which is the most important one, is to say. And I'm sure Paulie will pick it up to say thank you for the support we've had from everybody uh, in the club and, and the, the connection between the fans and the, and the players in particular. Like They really, really feel that on a match day. And um, Jesus Christ, I hope it doesn't happen on Saturday, but the players playing at home feel unbeatable. And that comes from the connection, that the, the, the power, the support, the positivity, the, the energy that the fans get, the players get from the fans. So a huge thank you. They're not all here today. So on behalf of the players and the staff, a huge thank you for that. And, you know, we really look forward to the rest of the season. Brilliant. Thank you very much to you both. We'll get a Neil Warnock story next time if we do it next time. I think we've run out of time. Um, So thank you very much to you both for that. Really, really appreciate it. Can we have a round of applause, please?
90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.